talked with Denise Sochapanda and Tony Dino. Well, da 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 da, da 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 da, cha la cha la, nunca nunca nunca. Damn it! Get me a phone. I can't believe I'm about to do this. Now would probably be a good time to look for other employment options. Welcome once again to another episode of Firing Blanks with myself, Tony Vino. And myself, Deliso Chaponda. If you haven't quite got it yet, the concept is we call it Firing Blanks because we're talking about the most blank people in history and we replace the word blank with an adjective and today we're talking about wise. So the most wise people we've met and the most the wise wisest, people. Wise, wise, wise. The Solomons we've met. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I mean, I mean, I've met some people called Solomon. But uh, they were not they were not wise. And also the whole Solomon story that makes it out that he's wise because he offers to chop a baby in half. Yeah. That's not wisdom. No. That's just... That, it, that's a big gamble. That's a child protection nightmare right there, isn't it? Exactly. Right there. Right there. The council's going to come. And... <laughs> it might, there's got to be a lot of pressure being called Solomon because you think, well, you, you know, if, if he's a bit dumb, it's, uh, <laughs> it's going to be a cruel life for him. But I, my, um, my dad's friends, my dad's Spanish, and in his culture... A lot of his friends are called... He's got His best friend is called Jesus. It's called Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Ma- imagine brother. if he's a rogue. Yeah. <laughs> imagine you can't swim. You can't even walk on water, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, look at him. Passing him like pints of water. Come on. What can and you do with this? And if he's got a mate called Judas, no. Yeah. No, you don't trust <laughs> him. Guys, don't trust you know, him. I went out with Jesus last night. Man, <laughs> that guy got arrested. <laughs> Excellent. So this... Yeah, so wise. Now, I reckon we think about, first of all... What do you think is wise? You know, the definition... Because it's not... There is a difference between wise and intelligent. Oh, yes. No, because intelligent is like uh, people who are good at mathematics. Yeah. They know stuff. They can retain information. Wisdom, it's this more like they know how to be happy and they know how to... They can give you... It's who you go to for advice. Yeah. So... I'll go to someone intelligent to do my taxes. But when I've <laughs> yes. got a problem in my life or my family, I will talk to someone wise. Yeah, and maybe, yeah, exactly. It's the difference between knowing who to go to to get your taxes sorted and who is the person that's going to say, hey, Deliso, you need to go see someone about your taxes. Yes. <laughs> that's yes. the wise exactly. advice. The wise, the and the wise intelligent advice is going yeah. to, avoid, to avoid problems and to just sort of... Um, yeah, people it, with insight, too. It's also that thing of insight. where... There's something wrong with you and you're not sure what it is. And the wise person will look at you and say, hey, have you considered yeah. this? It's yeah. insight and it's just people who can give good advice. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's, I think it's part of that whole thing about applied knowledge as well. Yes. And it's also different from street smart because street smart is close to wisdom. Yeah. Again, it's not like bookish knowledge. It's knowledge of how to live their life. Yeah. But it's almost like wisdom is a deeper version of it. I mean, it's not an age thing as well. You know, you can have really young people that are really wise and you can get really old people, yeah, people that are really dumb. Yeah, people think that children have a wisdom that um, yeah. doesn't make sense, but they, they just because they just see through stuff. They see through it. And, and maybe there's like a second wisdom that comes, you know, later in life, you you almost become like a child again because kids are so present in so the very moment. So there's something they know how about play. wisdom which is analogous to having nappies. Because <laughs> you're a baby, you have wisdom and nappies. You outgrow the nappies, you become an idiot. Then you get old, 
you end up back in the nappies and the wisdom comes back. <laughs> <laughs> and the bit in between is all just is just nonsense. Nonsense. And that's the bit we're in and making podcasts in. <laughs> that's exactly. There's no wisdom in this podcast. <laughs> so let's start with you, Delisa. Go on. Yes. Who's who's the most wise person? So the you've wisest met? person I've met. What's embarrassing is I don't remember their surname, but there was a guy called Fahad. Oh, he sounds wise. He sounds wise. It? You know, it's, and, it wasn't going to be Barry, was it? <laughs> was one of the key reasons I switched religion uh, wow. because um, I'm a Baha'i now, and I used to be a Christian. And I was invited by an attractive woman. I'm a was... Christian, by the way. Don't introduce me to Bachard. You'll yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you changing your whole life. So I, I, I was essentially I I went to my first Baha'i meeting. For very shallow reasons. A very attractive Baha'i girl. There we go. Was trying to convince <laughs> us all to come and just check it out. And I was like, yeah, yeah. That is some so, recruitment policy. Some kind of recruitment policy. <laughs> Jehovah's Witnesses just need to get supermodels. Yeah. And I'm telling you, their recruitment will go yeah. off the wall. Yeah. And I never, I never, of course, got the, the beautiful girl. Uh, and, but, but, but I got a new religion. So, hey. And what was interesting is when I went there, 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 there was the oldest person. They're no like priests in in uh, the Baha'i faith. But yeah. there's like there'll often be an elder or two in the a room just sort of guiding the discussion and so on. Uh, and there was this guy, Fahad, and he was just like this font of wisdom. And it's just one of those things where like every time I used to go to one of these, yeah. he just used to say things which really moved me. And I was a very resistant person because I, I would challenge everything. Yeah. I was a very uh, combative person who thought I knew better. So yeah. he would s- say something and I would always be like, no, that doesn't make sense. And he would just explain it in these ways which disarmed me. And he's also his use of metaphors was amazing. Yeah. Like even when he was talking about marriage, I still remember the metaphor which he used is like he feels like when we're alone, we're each a wing flapping and you're flapping oh, around you're in circles around. if you're a wing yeah. around. And then you meet someone else and then the two wings are together. And then because you're flapping in unison, you can go forward. And it was always like these um, amazing metaphors, like mini parables and just, oh, it, it, it was absolutely amazing. Beautiful. And I would say he was so instrumental in uh, every time. I was a very lost kid too as well because yeah. I was an adolescent. We're all very lost and I didn't know what I wanted to be. I was having arguments with my family and so on and so forth. And even though I never really spoke to him that much, it would just be like one meeting every week. And then I'd talk to him a little bit afterwards. He really had this instrumental um, role in sort of me standing up for what I wanted and deciding that, yes, I want to be a, a, this is what I want to do. That's one of the things about um, wise people is brevity, actually. There's not, it doesn't matter, it's not the amount of words, you know, what they say is really insightful. It's like a little, little precise little um, medical scalpel instrument and incision that gets right to the heart of the matter. it's really an edict too. They're not telling you do this. No. Sometimes it's asking you questions giving you a little bit of this is what I've been through. Not yeah. saying yeah. you should do this, saying, well, when I was faced with this, this was what happened. Yeah. And then there's also why I think the art of telling parables is very much part of it. Beautiful. Because you tell him a problem and he would tell you a story and then you would figure it out. I love that. And that's much less much less violent than telling that. you do this and stop doing what you're doing. Yeah. This is it. It's like holding up a mirror in yeah. front of yourself, you know? Because too many people are now trying to tell their opinion or telling directly people. But actually, you know, just a few words that hold up a mirror in front of yourself, you're like, oh, man, 
I'm looking good. <laughs> <laughs> or I need a haircut. Yeah, yeah. that's brilliant. Fahad, I wonder if he's uh, he's listening to this uh, to this podcast I, I as well. It. That'd be great. I doubt it. <laughs> yeah. he's too wise to be. He's sat cross-legged <laughs> on some <laughs> mountain somewhere. Exactly, he's <laughs> meditating uh, at this point. But it would be absolutely hilarious because maybe one of the other people who was there might listen to this and be like, oh. And you'll be you'll be part of one of his parables. That'll be ace. <laughs> I love it. For me, it's not the most wise person, but it's the most wise group of people. But within oh, that, the most wise people, yeah. And a, a very little-known group in the UK, right, called the Bruderhof, right? The Bruderhof. It sounds ace, that, doesn't yeah. it? It sounds like a, like some kind of German beer. <laughs> I got wasted last night I on Bruderhof. More like a German cult. Yeah. Bruderhof. So it means... Um, it's something. It means like band of brothers um, uh, in German, but it, it, it's um, there's a group down in um, uh, Robertsbridge in Kent uh, called Darvel Community. Now it's a, it's a community called, and the Bruderhof is the worldwide community, but the UK one's called Darvel. Anyway, some people from the Bruderhof they're a bit they're a bit like Amish. Okay, they're from like that Amish okay. tradition. I won't get too bogged down in history, but. Uh, you've got a thing called like the Anabaptist tradition, which is you know you've got like the Protestants, Catholics, all that, but you've got the Anabaptist tr- tradition, which is the kind of non-violent peace yes. church tradition, yes. yeah. And um, and you've got other groups called like the Hutterites. Anyway, the Bruderhof have got an amazing story, and we met some Bruderhof people. They came to stay with us back in 2007. It's a really interesting time, and and we went down to their community. There's about 350 of them. Living down in a community down in I Kent. actually remember you telling you remember? me about this. Really? And, and I thought this sounded like a nightmare. Oh, man. <laughs> well, this is the thing. Yeah, exactly, right? It's one of those where you go, this is what what an amazing community. And I'll be like, there's no way I'd be part of this. Because so like, many sacrifices. So many sacrifices. Yeah, they all live together. Um, it's like an old TB hospital that they've kind of converted. It, lots of quite big families. Uh, they all work in the same little factory. That, you know, they, they make, make toys, right? They make uh, children's furniture for play. Oh, children's play, furniture. It's called I, children's you play see things. how my memory has changed and <laughs> made it toys. Toys, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, though, they, they do, as part of that, it's all wooden toy. Uh, they do make some toys, but there's no um, markings on it. It's just oh. very simple, like a, a simple wooden train right. with no right. colour, just like, um, just varnished. And like maybe, I have seen like they made like a little aeroplane, but it was all just carved out of wood. But the main bit is, is, you know, like furniture tables and chairs that go in like nurseries, right? Okay. Really, really high-end uh, stuff, but really, really well-crafted. And everybody in the community works in like, you know, you know, like they've got like... When I went and they showed me around the little factory, they're like, the oldest guy on the on the community was in his 90s. He was still working in the factory and he could... All he could just about do was hold a, hold a, you know, a, dr- a, a drill and drill, do this one little drill. And he goes, he goes, this is the one thing... My eyes are going, but this is the one little thing I'm going to do. And he... Because okay. nobody gets, like, paid yes. because the, the money that comes into the community just pays for everybody, you know, to eat. So it's, it, it's like this... So you all eat together? You all eat together. Well, they've got the little flats, but every night they all have a big... They've got a big hall, and they all eat in the big hall. 350 of them, right? Incredible. And the whole thing is the idea is that they trying to live... Um, like the early church community, it says in the Bible, like Acts 2, it said they had, had everything in common, you know. So they kind of had this idea that personal possession and capitalism yeah. is a bit of, it like, separates relationships. So they're going to the far extreme where, basically, they, they don't really have their own possessions. 
they only had like three, I think it was three cars amongst like 300 plus wow. people. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? And then, and then they didn't bother with TVs. They were all, you know, they, they had their own, um, game that they, instead of like, um, like basketball, like, um, netball, they had this kind of game that they'd invented where it was, de- it was really egalitarian. There was no, you kind of like, you pass the ball and try and get the ball off, um, each other person, but Anyone can play at any age. Like kids can play with okay. old people and all. And then you can come in and, and leave the game at any point. Cause, you know they're just throwing yeah. this ball around. They, they invented their own little game. It's amazing. And the history behind it is just amazing, right? I'll tell you a very quick part of history. This guy Eberhard Arnold back in uh, the early nineteen hundreds, right? Yeah. Um, just after the First World War, he set up this small farm community. And um, and he basically wanted to, you know, part of the principles that they live with now, which is uh, just having everything in common, living um, uh, living for each other, and um, and it, and it, and it grew. But then, um, obviously, National Socialism, you know, uh, grew yes. in 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 uh, Germany, and they were a threat against the state, and so they got they got raided by the SS and they were going to get there was an edict in in Nazi Germany where it said everyone every group had to sign a a pledge of allegiance to the Führer and they basically refused because they're like no yeah. no you know we we're, we're a christian community our our commitments to god uh, and to each other but we you know we don't see any authority in the in the Führer we're going to do our own thing so they they got raided by uh, the SS and they were going to get taken off into the camps right okay but the the leader of the SS that raided them recognised Eberhard Arnold because he was from kind of aristocratic background. And he said, we're not going to take you away now, but you've got... And I don't know how... He said, I think he said, you've got, like, three weeks. We're coming back, right? You need to leave. And at that point, they um, they left. And they left for... They had another community in, in England. And this was just before the oh, Second right. World War. So they went to England. And so you have this group of Germans and this group of English in the Cotswolds in England. In, in England and then the war broke out. And obviously there was a lot of suspicion about this big group yeah. of Germans. So the, the Germans had to leave. And the only t- country on the eve of war that would take this group of Germans was Paraguay. So they set up... I know, it's crazy. So they, they went this massive long journey out to Paraguay. Now, interesting, just on the eve of war, as Germany and England were going to war, the English people, part of the community, part of the Broodhof, said, you're all brothers and sisters, we're going with you. They went to they Paraguay, went to Paraguay as well. Wow. And, then, and this community grew, very small community, grew in the jungles of Paraguay up until, like, the 70s, from Amazing. the 40s to the 70s. And then it went world, and now it's worldwide, America, course, Australia, yeah. everywhere. Like, there's thousands thousands. But uh, there's a couple in the UK. Do they all make furniture, or is it, like, furniture here? Different groups And then have, if you go yeah. to the one in Paraguay, they make... They uh, make differences, uh, like, some farming and stuff farming like that. But the, 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 the but UK it's one... Always like, but it's always... They will do the same thing. That's the it. Whole That's it. The whole community. They'll have their little craft that they okay. do, and then that funds the community. Anyway, I... But imagine you're born into this community... And you don't like chairs. <laughs> then you're on the uh, then you're on the toys. You know? <laughs> no, yeah, no, no. I'm just saying. I think it's great for yeah. the people who've chosen it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But it, same thing with like the, the the Amish. I always I'm like, this is an amazing choice to make in your life. But what if you're born into it? Oh no, that's it. And and it's an interesting one. It's the same with uh, Amish. They have this thing where they. Uh, in the Amish community, where they where they send out the young people, say you know like, like 80, spring or something. yeah, yeah spring, and just yeah. say just go and be part of everything. Oh, so they do like, that too. Yeah, so and there's this whole thing where you just go 
Okay. And if you want to, you know, if you don't want to be part of the community, you yeah. go, we'll set you up. But okay. interesting, they have a, a very high retention rate because yeah. they're like, where do I go? This is amazing. You know, we're all living in peace and prosperity. Yeah. And, 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 and it's that whole thing about, I met him in 2007, uh, and then in 2008, obviously the, the financial crisis came. We were bailing out the banks, yeah? yeah. I remember, I think it was Alistair Darling, some, someone said on, on, on radio, I remember them going... Uh, we have no alternative. You know, we have to, yeah. uh, we have to do this action because there is no alternative. And I remember thinking, well, I've seen an alternative. Seen an alternative. This is an alternative way of living. Yeah. It's a wise way of living. Very, very um, ecologically light. Very, very kind of economically light. And um, uh, you know, very gentle way of living. And I was I like, think, these I, guys I like what you're are saying, amazing. But I think it only works in a small. Yeah, way. You, yeah, because. because you can't. You can't. The this whole won't work country on the macro. couldn't work yeah. um, if, unless I had like my little brotherhood of com- comedians, and everybody <laughs> born into my family has to be a comedian, and we all work on jokes together. Yeah, and then you've got your family of. of uh, well, that's the thing. You know yeah. that that's the the thing that I, I, one of the reasons I, I was like I couldn't ever be part of this is that you know you you're part of the community. You work. And you make yeah. furniture. You can't be a comedian that travels. I'll tell you the interesting thing: the craft bit, I'm not sure about, but I do agree that the community living is, is that is their genius because that yeah. there is the secret of joy. And it, that's the whole thing, and that's why I thought these were the most wise people I've met because I remember we were me and Claire were living with another couple. We bought a house, as you know, bought a house with another other family, and and it was like. We're having a great time, but there was times like when living with other people was really hard yeah. and we're getting on each other's nerves. We had several people, two two people from this community come to live. And even though there was more people in the house, the house felt bigger, right? They had what I would call a communal wisdom. You know, right. they knew how to live with people. They knew how to live together. Right. And they just brought... And because they weren't, like, striving for money or... So, like, they didn't need any money. They didn't need money. They They, they had their... Um, uh, train fare. They got up to Manchester. They came. They met, and then they just met people, and they'd eat in different houses. And they never had any money, but they they just didn't need any. And they had this expansive mind view. Wow. It was so wise. And I remember thinking, man, these guys are so wise. Like, I'll, I'll give you one story. This one guy that stayed with us called uh, John, and him and his wife Tessie, right? John and Tessie. Yeah. They're so cute. He used to have this little laugh. He go he he. Like that, right, and he was in his sound like, wise already. Yes, wise laugh. He was in his like late sixties. <laughs> they had I'm pretty. It was it was over. It was, I think it was seven kids, right? Six, seven, or eight kids, like a lot of kids. You see, right. I'm already thinking this man is not wise. He's a- <laughs> I, I, I've got to tell you, I know you admire this man, but anyone who has seven child, this is not a wise decision. <laughs> I have got three nieces. And I've, no, no, there's no wisdom yeah, in this. Wisdom decision. is knowing when to stop. Exactly. exactly. But, but they didn't have a TV, you know so what else did they do? When you went and got uh, uh, got yourself snipped. Oh, That's mate. an act of wisdom. <laughs> Seven. Seven. Man, I, yeah, I wow. totally agree. It's a lot of children. But I remember, so I was on my first kid, right? Yeah. Jojo. And one day, right, imagine... John is is in his like mid to late sixties, and um, Jojo was crying his head off. And at the time, for some reason, I was a bit stressed out at work or something like that. And Jojo wouldn't. We were in the living room, and John was in the living room, and Jojo was like kicking off about something. Rah! And I couldn't. And I was like, Shh. I was like, stop it, shush. 
and he did a bunch of stuff. And John went, hey, hey, Jojo, watch this, right? And he just, and he's like in his late 60s. And he got a, and he goes, watch this. And he got a, a handkerchief, put it on the floor. And then he put his head on the handkerchief, if you can imagine. Put his hands on the floor. And then did a handstand, right? Okay. So this this kind of like old guy. <laughs> and Jojo stopped crying and kind of looked at him slightly quizzically. And he's like, what do you think of that, Jojo? <laughs> and he got that. And then Jojo giggled. And he looked at me and he goes, you know... Sometimes in life, when all is tough, all sometimes all you can do is just stand on your head. <laughs> and I was like, that is so wise. That's brilliant. Sometimes all you can do is just stand on your head. And I was like, that is, that is, that is really wise. And it was like things like practical wisdom. You know, some break in the house... When they came through, they'd kind of fix it, get a piece of wood, put it together, you know. From, right, whereas, right, right. like, man, like, I can send an email, I can I can edit a podcast. Uh, yes. Like, I don't know, trying to fix a bench. Oh, I, no, I can't do anything. No practical wisdom. And so now it came to thinking about who's the wisest person in history, mm. right? And I thought of all these, like, you know, wise kings and so on and so yeah. forth. But actually, actually, when I thought about it, the person who I found has had most nuggets of wisdom, things which I, I, I quote all the time. Yeah. It was actually this writer called G.K. Chesterton. I thought you were going to say right? Rowling there. No, 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 no. no. G.K. Chesterton. And oh, he wrote Chesterton's uh, the Father, Father Brown stories. Have you read any of him? I've not read... Uh, I've read bits of G.K. Chesterton. Right. I've not read that but one. But what was yeah. interesting was he didn't just write books. He wrote short stories. He wrote ethic, essays. He wrote 4,000 essays wow. in his time. Because he was a journalist more than He was than a journalist. Anything, yeah. He was a social critic. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where all of the things he wrote are Full of such wisdom. I mean, wow. he's he's one of the people who made C.S. Lewis convert to Christianity after reading really? his things. Uh, he's also just someone who he, he he came up with concepts which we use in politics now that yeah. people just kind of take for granted. But he was a philosopher, so it was all new there. So like, there's a thing called Chesterton's Fence, right? Right. And the idea is that it was a very simple idea, which seems like common sense, but if you think about it, it's like the idea is this: reforms should not be made until the reasoning behind the existing state of affairs is understood. So the idea was, the the parable used was like, if you come along and you see a fence, and you're like, this fence is a waste of space. We need to remove this fence. (laughs) But if you don't know why they initially built the fence, you shouldn't remove it. You should first understand why it was put up before you can think that you don't need it. And it's also one of the things, think of things like Brexit. Where people are like, oh, we don't like it, we don't like it. Yeah. Don't think about all the reasons why it initially was put up and you just get rid of it and then things start falling apart and it's like, hmm, oh, maybe we should have thought of yeah. why did it initially yeah, have rather to be just built. ripping up the fence, you go, why do you have it? Because one of the reasons for, for the whole European project was have an economic alliance yeah. as a temper to aggression and war. You know, if we have some, you know, agreements on coal and, and energy yes. and all that kind yes. of stuff, we can work together. We're not going to be at war. And also just like he was a he was a humorist. He was a very funny character. He was a very overweight man. Yes. And uh, he would make jokes about it, a, a, a lot of that. And it was just like in all of what he was doing, there were all these these just genius nuggets which used to come out. You'd say things oh, like... Lovely. Let's have a chest and quote. say, he is a sane man who can have tragedy in his heart and comedy in his head. Right, oh, and I think nice. that's really what I aspire to, because you want to be funny, but you want to have a sensitivity with you, within yourself. Uh, his books were amazing. I mean, I mean, I read the Father Brown stories, and they're all murder mysteries, 
but they're also kind of like parables in that you know because the, the guy was a, a a pastor so, so right. after he would almost like catch people and then give them advice right? wow. and, and it's just a fascinating um <laughs> sort of thing and then my favorite quote of all which i would say is probably uh the biggest reason if I had to try to put a, an ethos underneath what I try to do with humor, mm. I think this is it. And it was said that fairy tales do not tell children that dragons exist. Children already know that dragons exist. <laughs> fairy tales tell children that dragons can be beaten. Brilliant. And I think that's the whole thing. I think the whole point of a lot of art is to, to, to show you that you can defeat the monsters. You can defeat the, yeah. the negative. And um, he's just eminently quotable. It's just it? one of those things where, and I almost, I was thinking about it. I actually think it's interesting that I ended up on a writer because I think the problem with people who are wise kings or wise prophets or what, no, is that if you're a wise king, inevitably you're going to have to compromise. You're going to have to do something yeah. where, uh, you, you know, in order to government, you're going to compromise. But if you're a philosopher, you can save these earnest yeah. true nuggets without having to betray them in action you that's it you can stand aside from the the, the machinations of power and comments and comment and yeah. beautiful as well the fact that he's a writer philosopher but also a comic yes you know? he's funny i mean he's, he's absolutely funny, funny. and yeah. also he was uh, he was also a bit of a scatterbrain so he <laughs> was he was always late yeah you know what i mean and there was this whole story about when they held the train for him because he had to people wanted him to finish his story on time oh and that's like amazing that. and he's just one of the he's just a, a very bizarre man who just kind of went around having arguments with george bernard shore and stuff like that <laughs> but i i just love it and, i love that idea of the, the larger than life uh, uh guy and the fact that a philosopher who's also a comic there's a there's a beautiful quote i remember when which said if the king won't receive uh, the philosopher the philosopher has to then become a jester. Yes. To and that speak makes truth to power. Makes you know? absolute sense. And also, yeah. that's our life as Canadians. Yeah. Is that I can go to um, a country which is um, very... Ad- oh, actually, you know, like Mugabe was in the news just now. But I, was, yeah. I legitimately did shows in Zimbabwe. Yeah. And I did jokes about Mugabe, but I hid them in a coat of jokes. So it was okay. Yes, yeah. You know what I mean? But it wouldn't have been if I just went there and I was talking about, you know, so I, I made up a funny parable about a guy who had a pub. That's and amazing. he wouldn't let anyone else run the pub. <laughs> yeah, you can't say overtly, which is interesting about, you know, in, in the UK, p- political comedy has in itself, it's maybe not as uh, popular as it was, you know, a yeah. few decades ago. And I, and I was I was having, uh, having a coffee in, in my favourite Chinese restaurant uh just this week and um the the lady the the, the who i've got to know the, the chinese wait, waitress was telling me about comedy in china and she said it's all based on sketches and parables so they have like this um they basically have duos where they create and it's a bit like you think about Morgan wise and before that where people would uh, they would they would have a duo where they'd then create a scenario and then act to within that scenario within you go, that, we're in a house yes. we're a married couple yes. and then and then the, all the jokes would come from the scenario and I thought, that's interesting, which says, over here, a comedian is one person standing, and they can say whatever they want to, whereas in China, uh, you can't 
overtly critique the regime. So then they have of to course. create they have to create a context a and a context parable and, within which and to in a weird way, dissent. You which make is it timeless yeah. by doing that because yeah. if I do a joke about, I did some jokes about David Cameron. Right. Yeah. They're no longer valid. Gone. Right. Yeah. Uh, if I do about Theresa May, it's funny now. It's not funny in a year. Yeah. But if, in order to talk about them, I had to create a parable about uh, a monkey and a frog yeah. having an argument <laughs> and something funny happens, in 10 years, we can apply it to something else. So, like, we yeah. can read Animal Farm now. Yeah. And we don't need to apply it to communism. We can now apply it to some other it system. Can, so that's it. there's uh, a level of making it less specific makes yeah. it more, more universal. That's it. More, yeah, timeless. interestingly, that idea that is it, there's more truth in a level of fiction and um, archetype yes. than in you know if you just read the facts of, of, yeah. a, of a particular case. It's beautiful. Yeah, that's the that's the world of uh, that's the world of reality. Now, I will also say though that this was not an there, there are elements of his life which are questionable, right? Because oh, really? Let's because, dig the dirt on GK. No, no, this is so time I was enough. Reading his we've history had, and we've had said, Weinstein. Who, yeah, exactly. He said it? some anti-Semitic things, which he later regretted and oh, stuff okay. like that. So yeah. I don't want to say like everything he said was a pearl. Yeah, he was a controversial figure, and there are things. But I, I respect him because he regretted some of the horrible things he said when he was younger. But also, I've got to acknowledge that he did say. Something and you know one of the things is well, not that I excuse uh, you know if there's any kind of anti-Semitism or, or racist words, you know yeah. it, it's it, that's part of the critique that, that you bring. But one of the things is he's one of the most prolific writers of the last you know hundred years in yes. this country. Now one of the things I always think is that. He said a lot of words. So he most of it was good. So you, you yes, go like, very true. All right, he said a few he, little he things. Wrote four thousand essays. Yeah. And the around three he essays we'd like to ignore. Yeah, he had a few sloppy words. It's yeah. a bit like me, right? I'm on nine points on my driving license, right? Yeah. Another three points, I get banned, right? But I think it's unfair because I do over 30,000 miles exactly. a year. And I go, exactly. actually, per mile, I'm on less points than the average person <laughs> in the world, That's in the country. Exactly the right way to look at Your things. Honor. Your Honor. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. I actually think that married people need to give that uh, argument to their wife. Right? It's like, I know I didn't cheat on... Okay, I've cheated on you once. <laughs> but, but I have had 508 opportunities yeah. <laughs> to cheat but I never cheated. What, is, what about those 507? Why are we thinking about this? Yeah, one? let's concentrate on all the rejection. Yeah. Whereas Barry, <laughs> he's, he's, he's had... very ugly. He's very... only been tempted three times and he gave in once. Once, come on. Are we stealing someone's joke? This seems familiar. I don't know. Or maybe we're stealing logic from somewhere. Uh, I apologize if this logic <laughs> is stolen from somewhere, but we've got to admit it's sound. It's it is it's rationally uh, coherent. Uh, it's 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 in the it's in the world. It's borrowed wisdom. That's what it is. Borrowed wisdom. Because <laughs> I don't know where I heard it. It was not from Fahad, but I've heard this sort of no idea before. It all comes back to Fahad. Come on, yeah. he's he's now <laughs> sat on the hill going, "Yes, my child. Yes, my <laughs> young Padawan." <laughs> Which is interesting. For me, this relates to the most wise person story I've got because where truth is timeless, right? Yes. I've got, I like the idea of wisdom not just being in, in the amount of words, but in, um, you think about GK did a lot of words. Well, my guy, right, he was a Stoic philosopher. He didn't, he hardly used any words, but he used a few actions that said 
loads, right? Okay. So you, you've, have you ever heard of um, when Diogenes met Alexander the Great? I have. It's an incredible story, right? So, so basically, Diogenes, right, was a he was a Greek philosopher, and he he founded the the, uh, founder of this sort of cynic philosophy, right? Interestingly, you are very far from a cynic. Yeah, interesting. Yes, but you do admire this guy. I do admire. Also, he kind of was one of the people he taught was this guy Zeno, who then became who, the founder of Stoicism. And I okay. quite like okay. the whole idea of Stoicism. You know, you, you might, you, you'll have heard of people like Seneca and, you know, Marx Aurelius. Yes. There's, there's all these... Like, I actually do like the quotes from these guys because it's about getting your thinking right. So going... I, I'm a naturally a positive guy, so I'm probably not... I'm probably the opposite to cynical, but part of the positivity is, is actually thinking... What's the worst thing that could happen? Yes. You know? So sometimes if I ever get worried about a situation, I actually, rather than try and ignore the thinking, I actually go, what? Let's think it through. What's the worst thing that can happen here? And and this is one of the things that this guy Seneca said. He said, uh, a practice that, that, by the way, I don't do, (laughs) but I like the, the idea of it, which is for a couple of days a month, Wear the roughest clothes. Eat the the most uh, like scanty, scanty. So scanty I thought you were doing that today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sat here in a hessian sack. This isn't yours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I thought my threads were cool, man. But also on that uh, day, make sure it's not dating day. I'm sorry, babe, but this is just like a, I'm, I'm yeah. trying to be stoic. I'm going to take you out for a meal. We're having ravita. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but he's saying. Eat, eat, eat like eat like a pe- eat like a peasant, like a pauper. Where but pauper? And then he says, "Is this the state of destitution that you feared the most?" And you go, "Actually, this isn't too bad. If I ever became totally destitute, it's um, not terrible. It's not actually that bad. That's your so you go towards your, your worst your fear, worst fear yeah. and then go. Oh, actually, there's nothing there. The idea that you know, uh, fear knocked. You open the door. There's no one there." So this guy Seneca, for instance, said something along the lines. I've got a quote from like Seneca. Beg for a day. Yeah, this guy Seneca said, you know, we are more often frightened than hurt, and we suffer more in our imagination than from reality. Oh, well, in our imagination. I mean, if I, I, I even remember just like the biggest obstacle to people finding love. Yeah. Is they're afraid to approach people because. They fear rejection. Yeah, but when you're rejected, it's not the end of the world. Have a rejection and actually go. Oh, is that is that what is I was that, feeling? Is, is that, that as bad as it, as it gets? It? Yeah. You said no. So what? <laughs> and it's just an amazing thing, right? Right. right. Yeah. I, 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 that was. Um, uh, I never did this, but I did have the idea that you know. Um, they say when you're trying to get a job, right? The idea is don't just don't just put everything behind one application. Send out Applied loads of applications. 30. Yeah, 30, 30, 40, and you get fifty. And um, even if you get forty rejections, eventually you're not bothered about rejection, and you'll get that job. Maybe you should do apply the same at like Valentine's. Fifty Valentine's <laughs> cards. Yeah, send them. It doesn't uh, matter. Random, one of them. One's got to come back. You know. Don't. Oh, I say that, but I've I've seen a comedian at a club, nightclub after the show. Yeah. Go hit on the first woman. She said no. He turned to his left. He hit on the next. Oh person. my god. <laughs> he turned, and I've got to say, I do not have that. Kind wow. Of, uh, I, oh, I would, man. my heart would break by number two and just be like, I'm out of here. <laughs> but he just kept going. Yeah, because that's. kept going. I, yeah, because it's hard enough one on one taking that rejection, but then one on one and then having 200 people witness it. Yes. That That's, I yeah. mean, hats off to him. I know who you, who the story is exactly about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, he, yeah. he makes robots up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this guy, Diogenes, I just thought this was such a wise moment, right? So Alexander the Great, you know. 
came, you know, conquered king, uh, had conquered so many lands. Now, Alexander's he was disciple when he was in his early years by Aristotle. So he, he you know, he loved philosophers, okay. and so he came uh, when he went to Corinth. He knew Diogenes was in Corinth, right? And what I love about Diogenes, it's not what he said, it's what he did. He used to do these, like, act things out. Like, he used to walk around during the day with a lamp going, uh, I'm searching for a wise man, you know? Okay. <laughs> okay. And, he, that's, and, and, yeah. he, and, he, and he lived really simply. He used to sleep in, like, um, like a massive um, clay jar. You know, the guy was mad, you know? Again, this is just like your group of people. I, I feel like your ideas of people who are wise are people who are crazy. Totally bonkers. I'm like, yes. this is not a wise decision. One person's having seven children, and you think <laughs> this is a wise person. This person's sleeping in a jar. This is what I love. And this is who you admire? But the co- I need to warn Claire. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He's, he's yeah. married a madman. <laughs> if he starts, starts ordering big big pottery, goes to a garden centre, gets a massive plant pot, this is our double bed, But honey. what did he do with Alexander? But, but the, I, so this, for me, is the, this is the nub of it, is that what is madness and what is unwisdom is actually there's something about the status quo uh, something about the, the situation we're in is mad, but people like Seneca, you know, and people like the Bruderhof, they question the very question structure the in yeah. and actually go, we've got so used to the abnormalities become it's normality because he yes. got kicked out of um, he got kicked out of Athens because he um, he, he went to the Oracle of Delphi uh, 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 and the Oracle of Delphi said you should. I'm not quite sure what the word was, but you should um, deface the currency. So he he started smashing up uh, coins okay. like as a, as a, as a yeah. protest, and then he basically, you know, the bankers basically got he, he was run out of town. Right. Yeah. So basically, when when he met Alexander, right, he was sat, you know, bathing in the sun, uh, Diogenes, and Alexander. And usually, it's people come and have an audience with the king, with right? the king. but the king yes. and his his um, entourage came to the Diogenes, and he had obviously Alexander at his time owned. The land as far as you could see, he had it wealth does. beyond power. Beyond imagination. Beyond imagination. And he said, What is it you would like? And so and he asked. He asked Diogenes, What is it you would like? Okay. And Diogenes looked at Alexander and said, Could you move a bit to the left? You're blocking the sun. <laughs> <laughs> what yes, would you I've like? That. That's excellent. I'd like, I'd like the sun back. You're basically. And, yeah. and it basically is saying, You don't. Have anything I need? I, I'm already free. You can you can travel the world. You can have yeah. as big armies and as much wealth as you want. But I'm already rich and I'm already content. Sat in his sleeping in his jar, and he's got the sun on his face. I don't need anything. And that was so. Pa- and Alexander, it's admirable. Is it admirable? Like, but if Alexander, who owned everything, asked me what I wanted, I would say. <laughs> Ah. Like sunlight, but could I also get a down payment on my mortgage? <laughs> totally, because but it was by this guy's actions he questioned the state because it's interesting. Like the idea of like modern Western capitalism, I might critique it in my words, but yes. I'm a great supporter of it because I I have a bank account, yes, I go exactly. on trains, I pay a mortgage, yes. all this kind of stuff. I'm a massive supporter, of it, even if I critique it. Most people will go, ah, oh, the system we're in isn't great. But we're all massive sports because it's our actions, not our words, that is what we truly believe, you know? Right. And so, you know, this guy and the whole stoic ph- philosophy world is all about, you know, what you, what you really believe is what comes out of your actions, you know? So this makes sense. 
so I mean, much. look, I can admire it, but I think I'm the furthest thing from stoicism. <laughs> I think that I am, I am a, a true-blooded capitalist. This is true. Yeah. Is true. I'm almost like a social capitalist in that I believe you've got to make a lot and then give a lot back to society. But I definitely... Oh, man. I, I don't understand the step away from it all. Well, Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I was talking to someone just yesterday who was talking about going on a meditation retreat. Yeah. Uh, to do yoga and meditation, and to me, it just sounded like a nightmare. Oh, it sounds it's so like boring, you, you doesn't it? You go on like men's, uh, you know, men's outreaches yeah, where man. you go I'll sit take, in the forest. Yeah, I'm for like three hours I'm in like, silence. I would rather sit in a five-star hotel. <laughs> Can I meditate there with the heating up and with a masseuse? <laughs> <laughs> That's where I will think my man, deep thoughts. People are going to start signing up to your retreat now. <laughs> Okay, here's your choice, people. You can come to my retreat where you sit out in the cold, the wet, the rain, in silence. And find yourself. Hours. And I'm like, why why all these things where they want you to find yourself? It's always like, oh, Jesus had to wander in the desert. In the right? desert, man. I want one prophet who found himself in a five-star hotel. <laughs> like, Here I am, yeah. and I got room service. Yeah, I got room service, and then God spoke to me. It was really, that would be a great story for me. Mate, I think you're going to start your own religion. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. I probably Scientology started that way. Yes, me. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Okay, that's okay. our uh, podcast signing out. Signing out. That was us talking about the wisest people. Thanks for listening to Firing Blanks with Daily Social Ponder and Tony Vino. 